From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And joining me again today is Kelly Madrick, who covers the appropriations process for CQ. Thanks for being here, Kelly. Always a pleasure, David. Well, the Senate this week may do something it hasn't done in over a decade. It may actually debate education funding priorities on the Senate floor. That debate has largely been silenced in recent years because the annual bill that funds the Education Department, along with the Departments of Labor and Health and Human Services, is typically such a political hot potato that the Senate never takes it up as standalone legislation. It just gets dumped into a year-end omnibus package. But this year is different as GOP leaders struggle to get the appropriations process back into some semblance of working order. So the Senate this week is actually taking up its labor HHS education bill, although it's bundled together with the defense spending bill. Nevertheless, senators will still have a chance to debate education policy, and they appear ready to hand the Trump administration a bipartisan rebuke of its proposed spending cuts. So, Kelly, how does the Senate bill compare to what the White House is seeking to do? So I think on education, this was an especially interesting kind of um, part of the bill to look at because not just the Senate, but also the House are rebuking um, the White House's education proposals in many cases in the same accounts at the same levels. And that's not something that you see in other parts of the bill. Um, The White House This was part of a larger, broader push by the White House to cut non-defense discretionary spending because they keep echoing this view that they do not believe that the budget deal level of um, non-defense discretionary is appropriate. And so their entire fiscal 2019 proposal – Meaning they think it's too high. They think it's too high, even though – President Donald Trump signed this into law, and it's forming the basis of the appropriations process in Congress. And so, you know, the White House proposes cutting education spending by 11 percent in fiscal 2019. That's a cut of $7.7 billion. Um, And they want to eliminate 28 school programs um, altogether to save nearly $6 billion. And the senators basically just say, no way. And they did it in a bipartisan way. This came out of the Senate Appropriations Committee on a 30 to 1 vote, um, which is, you know, a, a, a very big accomplishment for the Labor H bill, which has not been on the Senate floor since calendar year 2007. That is such a long time. And there's so much that's happened between now and then. And what kinds of programs are on the White House chopping block here, specifically on education? So a lot of these programs are block grants to states or other types of grant funding that do a myriad number of things. And it's kind of a reflection of... Um, For example, though. Um, well, you know, so there's uh, the student, there's student academic enrichment grants. There's some other type of teacher achievement grants. And all of these are kind of built around after-school programs, before-school programs. Sometimes there's family literacy. Um, these are some of the, just some of the programs he proposed, President Donald Trump proposed to cut in his budget. I'm trying to think of some other ones. There's, um, there's like $12 million for gifted students, gifted and talented students. That's kind of sprinkled across the nation. And again, these grants are not really big in size, some of them. Um, but one of the biggest accounts that he wanted to slash was the School Improvement Fund, which broadly, um, the Office of Management and Budget under Director Mick Mulvaney believes that these grants are just too vague, they're duplicative, and they'd rather see 
um, you know, education funding done in a different way. Um, this is broadly evidenced by a huge proposal in the budget to give a billion dollars to students and families to choose a public or private school of their choice, which was rejected outright by the Senate and the House. Um, but it just kind of shows on on a deeper level that these these grant programs, I think, are very important to states, and they've gotten a lot of pushback from any attempt to touch them. And so what's been the response to this from Senate appropriators? Yeah, I mean, they they not only preserved almost all of the money that was proposed to be cut, uh, but they increased it slightly. So they'd spend about $8 billion more on education than Trump wants next year. And uh, we've already heard from the Trump administration in a legislative letter that they don't approve of this. Um, so it sets up a very difficult negotiation with the White House. But it also shows how, um, you know, how in tandem the House and Senate have worked together that they have such a large slew of grant programs for the school improvement program account. Um, there are all these subgrants that they've funded at identical levels, and the same thing with this um, uh, safe schools and citizen education, citizenship education account. Another um, account that President Donald Trump's administration proposed to gut. Um, you know, the Senate has backfilled all of those programs and said, "No, that's not the way we want to go." And so which side here is likely to win out, do you think? I think because of uh, the leverage with the House committee aligned in the same form, um, it seems like it's unlikely that Trump's proposed cuts are going to go anywhere. Because if if the goal is to conference this bill, which it always has been the stated goal, then the House and Senate won't have any reason to discuss um, accounts where they have identical levels. That's just kind of part of the broader um, closed-door process. And so by doing that, they kind of just wiped all that off the table. And now they just have a bunch of small differences that they're going to have to deal with them. Um, some of them kind of controversial as it relates to other issues. But education, they're pretty. there's some solidarity between the two houses on this. Okay. But there's another big education issue that won't get resolved in this bill, because it's more of a long-term financial challenge, and that's the future of the Pell Grant program, which offers college age to low-income students. So, Kelly, what's going on there? Yeah, so the Pell Grants have taken up an ever-growing share of the education budget as we go through, um, you know, the the from really the start of the Great Recession around 2007, 2008, as all of these workers and, and some students didn't enter the workforce and instead um, they entered uh, an education program. This has all been pretty well documented by, um, you know, budget analysts at the federal level. Um, so the Pell Grant program is now a third of all federal education spending, and it was just a quarter a decade ago. So so it's growing fast. Yeah. And so this education funding bill arrives at the Senate under a dramatically different um, student backdrop. They have lots more students on Pell, and there's a real demand to increase the grant amount. Um, and so lawmakers seeing that this was going to be an issue, they ended up pumping more money into the Pell account for a while. So now there's a pretty healthy surplus. Um, but it's starting to dwindle because of such high demand. And sustain sustaining such high demand, um, you know, makes rating this Pell surplus a pretty easy target. They cut $600 million um, in the Senate bill from the Pell Grant surplus in order to boost the maximum award by $100. That's something that's not in the House bill. 
and that will be something that the House and Senate are going to have to work out. Um, but I think it just kind of shows more broadly that, um, you know, there's there's a lot to be done about Pell. And I think the, the, the conversation is also overdue. One of the reasons that appropriators are now talking about having to increase the surplus using these ways is that mandatory increases to Pell ended in fiscal 2017 as part of um, a higher education authorization that's kind of like going out of date. And so um, this is just one of those moments where you see kind of a fracture in the appropriations process that's underlied by a broader education issue that needs to be debated in the education committee. But there's no risk to the Pell program right now, right? No, it's safe now. And, you know, both the House and Senate plan to maintain this level funding of about $22.5 billion um, for the coming fiscal year in fiscal 2019. But it's, it's going to be a challenge because we continue to see college costs rise. And part of the reason that college costs increased so dramatically um, over recent years is because you know, as as uh, the economy went through a downturn, a lot of states shifted the burden of tuition costs onto students. I mean, I personally experienced that as a student, you know, and uh, that's something that I think Congress is responding to now uh, with funding, and they're going to have to respond to it with new policy probably in the very near future. Okay, so that's something to keep in mind as the education debate unfolds, which we at CQ will be watching closely. My thanks again to Kelly Madrick, our tireless budget reporter, for joining me again. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks a lot. And thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your CQ budget tracker. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can stay up to date by subscribing to the daily CQ budget newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or NPR One. And for more budget news, you can subscribe to CQ.com or visit rollcall.com or find us on Twitter. The handle is at CQNow or at rollcall. See you next week.